0: I'm Darren and you're listening to The Last of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. Now, in case you missed it, tickets for The Last of Your Life live at the gosh Energy Theatre are on sale for Wednesday, 12th of April, 2023. If you want to get a Christmas gift for someone, or you know one of your friends would love to head along, or it's just a gift for you, head over to ticketmaster.ie or theatre.ie. It promises to be a fabulous night. With brilliant guests, brilliant music, and plenty of other surprises. I cannot wait to see you there. OK, on to today's guest. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be?
1: As only a woman's heart can be.
0: As
1: only a woman. Woo! That's beautiful.
0: <laughs> Richard Chambers is one of the country's best known news journalists. But it's not just on Virgin Media News where he keeps us up to date. His tweets are essential if you want to keep your finger on the pulse. We chatted about Leo Varadkar's surprising last words to him as Taoiseach, his involvement in a viral hen party video, and the iconic Irish song which is his go-to party piece. This season of The Laughs of Your Life is once again brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Pop in for the weekly shop and step out in style with a new wardrobe this winter. Now listen, many of us have been singing... Ah, since the 1st of november but maybe not in public just yet but if you want to ease yourself into the christmas season now a great way to do it is to get into one of the 80 fnf stores in tescos around ireland and pick yourself up a pair of christmas pyjamas they have a fab selection maybe they're for yourself maybe they're for a gift maybe you're adamant to have a matching pair with bay get it up on the gram make it insta-a-fish happy shopping and now for my chat with richard chambers I hope you enjoy. Richard Chambers, you are extremely welcome to the Laughs Your Life Podcast.
1: Sarah and I'm delighted to be here.
0: Oh, you're so smiley.
1: Yeah, I'm already in in laugh form. This is the most yeah, I I can't. Whenever I see anybody smiling back at me, instantly. I actually got this one. I used to work in a shop and I used to have people actually come up and give out to me. Why are you smiling? And it's like, is that <laughs> not a good thing? And we not meant to be a friendly customer service face. Yes, no, apparently the, not.
0: That's the Look, I, I can't imagine you in any other way other than doing exactly what you should do in the job you're in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In, I get it, yeah. I feel like when you take on a job, that's it. You're committed to it and there is no, it's blinkered vision.
1: Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, but it like, has to be done with like, I mean, there's so much serious stuff that we go through. Yeah. And you talk about, it, especially over the last few years that you need to do it with a good sense of humor as well. Yeah. So you need to have that sort of lateral vision that you can see that there's humor in things, that you don't get so bogged down into, oh my God, this is the big thing that's happening now and I need to be full focus and that's all it is. Yeah. Because otherwise your mind and your soul will collapse in on itself. And that's not great, yeah. That's not great. (laughs) Certainly wouldn't be doing this podcast if that was the case, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Richard, look, you have a little bit of extra pressure on you as opposed to other guests because... um, your other half, uh, your better half.
1: Better is better, yeah.
0: Better is better. We're going to be safe. Your better half, <laughs> Louise O'Neill, was also a guest this season, and she did a phenomenal job.
1: Pretty good, I heard. I heard it went to number one. It all that did, sort of, yeah. So like, no pressure. Is this the first time you have had two sides of a of a couple on a podcast? Oh my
0: god, I think it is. Wow is Completionism there. Wow, Look at how that. exciting. <laughs> okay, no pressure. We're just going to get into it and see how we fare. So your first memory of laughter.
1: Yeah, I think I was always, like I, like I was sort of saying there, I was always kind of, I'm all, I've been a big laugher all my life. Like we had a, a very sort of, sort of a transient sort of childhood. I was born in Belfast, um, sort of a mixed marriage up there, Catholic and Protestant uh, sort of thing there. And we moved to Clare at a young age and then moved to Dublin, all that sort of stuff. And we had sort of a I wouldn't say it was an un- It was a very happy childhood, but it was very sort of um, just weird, slightly different. The whole mixed marriage thing would ha- have that in it as well. So like he, my father's side, and we're all like completely estranged from him now, he would have been very posh Protestant. And my mom, for a joke, would get all of her Catholic friends around and apparently, I picked up this weird posh accent at a very young age, right. which I don't know. I've had like fifteen accents over the, over the course <laughs> of my life. Thanks, ma- thanks, ma'am. Um, like, uh, so she, they'd all ask. Apparently, I said ham and cheese. Very posh. It would be ham and cheese. They'd ask me like, "What sandwich do you want, Richard?" And they'd all piss themselves laughing as I said hum and cheese at the age of like two and three and I just was glutton for this attention so I'd go red in the face laughing at all of this stuff and I was like oh my god I'm the life of the party this is amazing all these you know these young women are laughing at me this is this is fantastic (laughs) but like it was always like laughter was a big thing for us my mom is hilarious my brother as well like we all we would always doesn't matter what was happening in our lives you know moving around the place and all that um laughter was a huge thing and like I used to sort of have I was actually listening to Jackie Hurley was on this huge stage she had like a funny half hour is what they used to call it in her family yeah it's kind of like that yeah but I tear around the house just laughing hysterically to myself I'm like this this child is there's something wrong with this child you it's know? like
0: the human version of when a dog gets the zoomies
1: exactly that's, that's the best <laughs> actual you know human personification of zoomies is what it was so like that's that's kind of what it was I have a memory of that and just just those sort of things. Like I used to, I suppose being moved around a lot, like we'd take in a lot of TV and pop culture and stuff. Like I used to love absurdist humor even at a young age. So stuff like the Animaniacs. I used to memorize lines out of that and just quote it <laughs> back to myself laughing. I was like, this is such a weird kid. Why am I telling you this? I'm ruining <laughs> everything already. But like even stuff like that in The Simpsons, all that sort of stuff, they're all like, they were huge things for me as a kid. Because it was kind of almost, in many ways, it was kind of a lonely existence. So you take in all of these, you know, external things and you just like this was hilarious and this was like life affirming to me. Just having these mad things to laugh at.
0: So born in Belfast. Yes. With both parents there. Yes. And then when did you move to Claire? And was that just with your mum?
1: Just with my mum and okay. my brother, yeah. Okay. We moved down when I um I think it was I think it was four and then we sort of had, you know, grew up there in La Hinch in County Clare.
0: It's until what age?
1: Uh, I, it was early teens. I always get this wrong, actually. Like, and my mum was always like, oh, you're wrong about that. I think was, I, think was, uh, I think was 12 or 13 when I moved up. What part of La Hinch were you in? Uh, school road. So just up um, from the cliff. So it's straight up the hill. People will know it. There's a big car park down by the caravan site. Yes. The, the national school is there. Yeah. It's at the crossroads. So it's up the hill from the church and all that sort of stuff. Yes. And it's the first left. Okay. And then it's all the way up that hill. Um, amazing views and all that, a beautiful part of the world to Did come you in. did you like it? Loved it yeah loved it and it's why I always even say and, and like I've said all the way through is that you know Claire's always been home for me Really? Because it is such a like like especially if you're you're moving from like Belfast and obviously I haven't got a huge memory of that because yeah. I was very young but having all these like this free space and these fields and schoolyards and beaches to run around in and just be like just go mad Heaven It was amazing yeah
0: Why did your mum choose Clare Was there family there
1: She was yeah My my uncle and my aunt Had moved there They were from, from Dublin They moved there To the Scanner A couple of years beforehand And I think My mum has always had like Loves the sea yeah. And just that sea air And she was like Oh my god Like you know the whole West Clare sunsets Unreal. That dusky vibe That you get There's
0: nothing like it Oh
1: my god did you, ever, yeah.
0: have, did you ever do nights In the Claremont
1: I think, yeah, we did. I actually brought gangs of people from Dublin down to, to the Claremont you? Hotel, which is, is sensational with their first look inside the door and they see bales of hay around the place and people serving cans. It was like, yep, this is it. Welcome.
0: So so at 12 then, you go to Dublin.
1: Yes. Up to Russian North North Dublin. Again, the seaside sort of thing there. Um, and yeah, sort of settled in there and uh, yeah because
0: the accent is very Dublin now it is yeah, yeah
1: I think that's that's it's, it's actually interesting because like normally actually because obviously you're as a Clare person yourself well right, kind Clare, of kind yeah. of yeah. <laughs> yeah but like I mean you're,
0: you're, you're like, I know i have like banner blood exactly yeah, you can't yeah. take that
1: out of you <laughs> like it normally goes more country more Clare when you're talking to people from Clare. of course I actually have this awful habit of mimicking accents like off ear as well okay like if I'm down in West Cork I'll end up sometimes lilting a little bit there <laughs> and they might find that somewhat <laughs> insulting but I'm just like sorry this is Clearly some sort of empathy thing for me, like, you know, that I just, I'm I'm trying to connect with new people and I'm doing it completely subconsciously. And it sounds, might sound like I'm taking the piss, but it's actually the complete opposite. Yeah. I'm all about it. You want
0: to embrace the
1: the culture. Exactly. I'm part of it now. Like, you know, I'm assimilating. I've had to do it all my life. It's tragic, really. Yeah.
0: I'm sure we'll come back to, you know, Dublin and teenage years or maybe the next question uh, feeds into that. So Richard Chambers, the first time you felt laughed at?
1: I think... When you're a child of any age and anywhere in the world, fear of mortification is probably the most primal thing in the world. Yeah. And I had one of the worst experiences of it. I was in a Christmas play (laughs) and I wasn't assigned a role for the Christmas play. So I was first sub, which is a beautiful role to be in. Like, you know, for, it's not even first sub for Jesus or or Mary or Joseph. It's just general first sub and whatever happens. If anyone's out in the day, you... For, for the stars. Out, you're doing laps <laughs> at the side of the pitch, like, you know, holding the water bottles for people who are shepherd number two and number three. And you're like, geez, I'd love a go of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to do. So I remember I wasn't... Um, somebody was out. There's actually... I actually... So there's two days that they did the play back to back. First day, somebody was out and I was in and I was like shepherd number three low pressure role you know <laughs> just say one line it's like we followed the star and that's it and I was like oh my god I nailed it
0: no that's right they're important roles are they like as in Frank frankincense myrrh and what are they no
1: that, that was the sh- that, they were the three kings well, they they're were the, the wise king. men well Jesus it wasn't kings it was just the shepherds exactly. these the are back. the other lads <laughs> these lads had much lower stakes like you know <laughs> they were just minding sheep and this mad thing happened would you believe it uh, so I did it the first day and I was, I was hyped I was like yeah maybe I should be an actor right second day much higher stakes were all dropped out. And I was like, Yeah, look, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. I can't remember what age I was at this, but I was like, I remember we were sitting out, we were in like the sort of the the hall, and we were all sort of getting our gear on. And I had a very generic costume as the first up. <laughs> I had like the tea towel on the head, and I had a bigger <laughs> towel, which I'd sort of tied around my neck as a cape. And I remember I've I have a distinct memory of my teacher going, Sort that out, put that into a toga right now. And I'm like Looking back now, I'm like, none of this is historically accurate. What are you talking about? Me with this towel into a toga is not going to make this any better. But I remember it was time to go. I think I was ki- it was one of the kings. It was okay. king King one or king
0: two. That's,
1: yeah, that's not a big. It's huge. <laughs> when you have a number after one of the characters' names, you know it's a big one. Um, so, like, I remember it came to my line. I was probably like a quarter of the way through the play. And I just, they just threw to me. And I was like, just that level of silence. I felt like it went on forever. No. And I was like, oh, my God, I could feel my face because, I again, I, you probably see this over the course of this. My face will turn red at points of embarrassment. Right. I am a very expressive person. <laughs> Zara King, on, on when we're doing our podcast, he's like, just keep the camera off him. He is too expressive. He will not hide disgust or surprise or anything. <laughs> um, I was just mortified. I just felt flush. And I started to blub crying. just because i was like because no nobody was helping there was silence for like 30 or 40 seconds which feels like forever and you just hear this ruffle of laughter from 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 the crowd no help there thanks everybody (laughs) uh and it was just horrendous and i i I just i will viscerally remember that forever
0: richard i can't (laughs) understand how we go from that to you being on national television basically nightly how face your fears
1: It's that it's that sort of you keep on keep on grabbing the nettle and sometimes it will get better. I can't really do crowd things. If I'm doing things in front of a crowd of people, I find that way worse
0: than just a camera.
1: Than a camera yeah. or, or a microphone. Right. You probably know that yourself. Like yeah, it is, it's, it's completely di- different.
0: Way more daunting. I am seeing. I am seeing an event recently in the Aviva and it was 550 yeah. people. And I was like, I said, like, Darren, Darren, you're on radio every morning. Yeah. It's a national radio. Doesn't matter when you can see, We can see, can see the faces you. and you know the reaction. Like if someone's listening to you on the radio and they're in their car, you know they can be like, Oh, shut the fuck up,
1: Darren. Yeah. You know, and you don't know about it. You're just there with your mates doing it. Like we're <laughs> in a we're in a studio here with like you know three other people. Yeah. Grant, yeah. I'm just looking at you. It's fine. We're just having a conversation. Yeah. Put me in front of ten people.
0: Really?
1: In... Oh, it can be very low numbers. will have me, and I'll, I think it probably brings me back to all that. And, and is I feel it that... hot under the collar, and I'm like. Oh,
0: God, and do you point blank Not do it Or you do do it But you just feel fear Gotta
1: do it yeah, yeah okay. I just feel like Massively uncomfortable really? But the mortification There's another time actually And this is again It's a lower crowd thing We were in Disneyland My man brought myself and My brother to Disneyland had, You know those key camp Sort of holidays Oh yeah The mobile home Sort of thing like, yeah. So we went to Disneyland there and she got chatting to, as everybody does, got chatting to an English couple. So like, oh, you come in for a glass of wine or something that evening. And they had a, like, I can't remember what age it was, but it would have been probably one of the first kid sort of crushes I had at yeah. the time. Because I had a young daughter who was like blonde and all this. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And we went to Disneyland and I didn't go on half the rides. Like all the rollercoasters. Aww. Just scared. And my mom blurted this out. She's like, oh yeah, we went to Disneyland today. Richard didn't go on it. And, and I just remember her. This girl just let out this, ha, <laughs> laugh, <laughs> which again is incredibly mean. But could you imagine if I'm telling you how that mortification I can get know. through? I just shrunk into so my chair and again.
0: Oh, Richard, I can see you with a But
1: it's character building.
0: Exactly. I think. Yeah, of course it is. Okay, Richard, the moment when if you didn't laugh, you'd cry.
1: So many of these, like I think the job of journalism, um, you have so many of these, like, you you have these moments which can make or break you. things where times where things everything goes wrong Mm. in news and in broadcasting. One time, like which I I, I love to look back on was I think we were doing an election. I was working in the radio at the time and I was doing sort of a road trip around the country. And you have to like, and I I still do this even I was just back from the States, I was doing this with my cameraman um Owen Kelly, where you basically just dot things out for the day. Here's a schedule and it's super tight. There's no room for anything to go wrong. Right. So I was doing an election here and I had to go up to Donegal and I'd like it was one of those trips it was like Limerick Cork Donegal all in three days which is mental stuff and it was biblical rain and I was just driving around this old Toyota Corolla which I owned it was my first car I had and um, there was like one of those red light green light stop and go systems there was some roadworks. works there was loads of chips in the road and some Donegal fella basically went to the green light it's one of those things where like this side can go because it's roadworks. you stop yes and then it goes green the other way and they stop
0: that's usually how it works
1: i know i don't, I don't know how i've earnestly explained traffic lights here i'm doing the hand gestures at all, <laughs> the hand like i'm a lollipop man here like put this clip out oh, i was like God. am
0: i getting this wrong no that's exactly
1: what I'm i just doing. i just yeah i was like i'd like to paint the picture there. no you're
0: dead right you're dead right i'm there i can see the so this
1: i had to sw- anyway what happened was some guy came through the other end boy racing style flipped through i had to slide off the road um, basically aquaplaned aqua onto this bank of gravel. So I hit into the gravel and went boom. Stop. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, crap. Well, I'm stuck here. It couldn't come back off that. The AA said, oh, it's going to be two hours until we get out to it. So I was like, I had to cancel a load of interviews. Stop. So I was ringing my editor back in, in Dublin going, oh, I'm going to miss that. And we had some good stuff lined up. So I was like, oh, I'm doomed. Sitting there in the rain, pouring down the car. And then all of a sudden, and this actually, this, is this actually went, this was early viral. This, this was covered internationally. I don't know how and why. What? So basically what happened was I was sitting behind the wheel, going nowhere, like an absolute sap. And I just see this apparition. There's like four or five women came st- streaming by, pink feather boas, stets and hats. And they came off this minibus. They were clearly going to a hen right. party. And they were like, we'll push you out. And I was like, this is incredibly emasculating thing to happen. <laughs> but it was also it was, I mean it was a godsend so there was this hen party they were all from the north and they they and they, they were all got out to the front of the car like there's photos of this you can look this up um, Richard Chambers hen party Gall thing and they all got there and they were all pushing the car and like they were like and it was, they were really getting into it It's like one of these sort of like it's like when you know hens and stags go paintballing but it was real life and I we, they got it out I was reversed Stop. And all, they got it out one of them got a face full of mud um, all that sort of stuff and then they were just because there were people and there was cars beeping because they were holding up they were just gone They're, and they just jumped on the minibus and went away and I tweeted it out at the time did you get a photo? I did yeah there's photos and all yeah I, got, I jumped on the minibus before they left and I got the photos like hey there's Stop. photos of them pushing the car and all that sort of stuff and they just thought it was hilarious
0: and so you got the car out and then what did you do?
1: I, I just went on and tried to sort of reset up interviews and all that sort of stuff and like I was like I just went unbelievable because they had to go so quickly and did they ever
0: reach out did you ever yes
1: we got connect BBC um, Radio Ulster did a thing they were like we must find this hen party we believe they're from the north that's what he says stop so they did it and about four days in they connected because they'd seen on Twitter or something like that and they got through and I got put on the f- on live on radio with them and I don't know what the conversation oh lads these were sound yeah that's it <laughs> I was like well this is great I'm really glad we did this but they got such a laugh out of it it was just like there's so many things just when things go wrong yeah that it's absolutely hilarious though I love it yeah
0: you can never predict I suppose What's going on. Like you do so much time on the road Yeah Like do you Are you Would you say you're a bit of a workaholic?
1: Absolutely yeah Yeah I'm terrible at like switching off And all that sort of stuff Are you? Yeah like I'm meant to be off this week And I've done more things this week I was doing podcasts And Ireland AM And this that and the other And all this sort of stuff
0: But Richard I would be similar
1: Yeah And course.
0: I was And I was watching The Kardashians on Hulu As you do mm. On Disney Plus actually And Kim <laughs> is constantly being accused Of being a workaholic Kim Kardashian Lies uh, Hey you take what? that back, really? She's a worker. Okay, she is. <laughs> she has a number of different brands on the go, and men. Um, she, fair play to her. Good on her. And uh, she was like, everyone keeps telling me like to just relax and stop working, and she's like, but work makes me happy. Yeah, it makes me happy. I like being productive. There's too much to be done. I want to do it. So stop telling me to relax if I don't want to relax.
1: Totally. Like, and you get like so much, like so much of your own identity and, and who you are and what your your values are come from what you're doing day to day. Sometimes exactly, and something like you do have to have like barriers to these things yeah, and and you know you and no to when shut to just... off sometimes
0: and especially in a relationship yeah totally like, yeah. yeah,
1: you can't be taking all this sort of stuff home with you no. all the time are
0: you good at that are you good at leaving it behind
1: oh Jesus Darren um, I'm getting better at that I was terrible during the pandemic um, especially I, I wrote a book about it like the whole Ireland and COVID-19 thing
0: yeah
1: and it was just the worst thing it was actually one of the toughest experiences in my life because I actually ended up because there's so many people gave their personal stories about you know loved ones yeah. who died their own experiences with COVID Health staff, and and I just when the book was coming out, I um so I wrote all their stories into it, and I just went to panic attack after panic attack of, I really hope they're happy with this when it comes out, really? and I was so worried about that. You want like, to be respectful
0: and, and do justice.
1: Yeah, totally. Like anything with the politicians thinking that this was a disgrace that I was that I you know exposed them being somewhat bad at their job sometimes, or Stephen Donnelly having a go at me on prime time and all that. So, That's great, fantastic happy enough with that but i was worried cuz i didn't hear for days and days and days from people whose stories of their loved ones and which they opened like they never thought in their lives that they're going to you know yeah. be interviewed for a book talking about how their mom died or their dad Mirandous. died that's awful and like they shared like the family photos and stuff for inclusion in the book and if you don't hear from people from a couple of days you're just like oh my god okay and i used to wake up in the middle of the night just in a sweat and just in a panic and I'm like oh my god i'm never doing this again and yeah eventually everybody was absolutely delighted with
0: yeah, it yeah because you i mean you do what you do for a reason where yeah. you were, were going to do it
1: well and yeah, and like, I mean, they were so gracious and kind about it and they absolutely were really happy with it. But like just that level of fear and it, and it took me months afterwards to sort of figure out here, this isn't healthy. Yeah. You can't take on that level of worry. You need to look after yourself a little bit better. And I did eventually. I learned that. I think I learned it from that because Jesus, it was like a real dark hole there for the first like six, what should be like an achievement Yeah, to actually put this thing and turn it around and, and do a decent job of it. But like it was just the worst experience in career. Six months after that, it was just pure hell.
0: As someone who seems like a people person, would you say you're a people person?
1: I would say so. Yeah. How yeah. do you?
0: How do you think the politicians feel about you? Are you just a thorn in their side, or do they see you for the person you are, and then your job is your job? Or what do you think?
1: I think most politicians are fine. Some do not like me whatsoever. Really? You could guess. I might say some of them. How but, do
0: they make that known?
1: I have had politicians, um well, go on national TV and say, well, he didn't do this. He didn't ask for an interview with me. So this is all lies, which is completely untrue. And I had the receipts, very much had the receipts. <laughs> Spill um, the tea, Richard. But like other, other politicians have gone to colleagues of mine and said, well, this lad's full of shit as well. And like, that's dodgy as well. Dodgy. Some of them are sound. Actually, you a great. You are. D- Dublin 15 Castle Knock all that sort of stuff
0: Knock till I die yeah.
1: We were there for a couple of years Yeah uh, Myself, Zara King and, and, and a couple of others were there and Leo Varadkar found out that obviously he's the TD out there Yeah He found out that we were living out there and he was blown away by this He's like oh my god constituents Oh And yeah exactly <laughs> the, I, the vocal fry comes straight in <laughs> Oh Like it was his last day as shock, and he was doing a speech at Dublin Castle and I was down in the courtyard with um, our camera person um, just doing a sort of a live thing and sort of explaining what's happening. And we were waiting there. We got a buzz in the ear to say, wait until Leo comes out and gets in the car. We'll get a great leave- leaving shot there. And I was like, yep, got that. He's coming out there now. I can see him. And they turned the camera onto the car, the slow zoom in, very dramatic. And then Leo Radker sees us and he starts walking over. And I'm like, oh my God, we're going to get the last interview with the Taoiseach, as this, the Taoiseach. This is a huge moment. Yeah. And you just hear him from a mile away going, hey, hey, neighbor. I'm like, what? Hey, neighbor. I'm like, what? Why is he what's happening here? What's going on? He's walking towards a live mic. We're live on television. And he's saying, Hey neighbor. And he says to me, he gets to about <laughs> ten paces away from me. He's like, Hey neighbor, when are we going for pints? No. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Because I make a thing, I, I don't socialise with politicians. I no, just don't. No. I just don't go in for that. And, and people do that and they get sources and all that sort of stuff. And that works for them. That's their way of doing it. Oh, not,
0: we, oh okay. So people do actually do that. Yeah, what yeah. Like
1: and I am not casting anything on them. It's okay. just a different method. But so I was like, I'm sitting on TV and Leo Varadkar's walking towards a live mic what I think is live mic going out live on TV this is the time when everyone's at home watching TV live for these announcements yeah. and he's there saying when are we going for pints and I, he, I, I was like Leo we're live on thing do you want to do an interview he's like oh no and he turned around Stop. and walked away I'm hearing my, like they were taking the shot and people started texting me it's like what was Leo Varadkar saying to to, me, to, me, to you there I was like oh my god thank god my, they didn't wasn't on live. It? yeah it wasn't on live Stop. they had the picture of him walking over to the microphone then walking away it's like what happened there <laughs> what did you ask him that he made the oh, away? but that was it god. that was very Leo Varadkar's last comments as Taoiseach were very close to, me, to being when are we going for points? <laughs> um, So he's a lot to live up to when he gets back into that job. How
0: beautifully Irish.
1: Yeah. Love it. Poignant.
0: Okay, Richard Chambers. Mm. Your no laughing matter moment in life.
1: I think it's appropriate actually at this point um, because obviously this week we had the news of Vicky Phelan dying. Mm. Um, And that is something which has affected so many of us. And it actually, it's almost ironic in a way because Vicky Phelan and Vicky I got to know really well over the last couple of years was someone who was mad for a laugh. Yeah. Just pure devilment. And she would like... Like actually it was because when you texted me about doing this I was like I must have a look back actually and have a look and see what like if I can tell the story about Vicky. And I was looking back to there was a period there at the start of the pandemic where we used to talk every day. It was just text messages she was looking for the goss and she'd be sending eyeball emojis about like what Michal or Leo was saying on TV or Tony Houlihan and stuff like that. And she was mad to know absolutely everything. And she was just so full, full of fun and gossip but she'd always look out for you as well. And I think there was a message she sent at one point where I had a really bad day and it was very obvious that I was having a bad day. And you get a message on your phone at something like nine o'clock at night from Vicky Phelan saying, look, get your sleep, rest up, and we need you. And I was like, holy shit. When you get messages like that from Vicky Phelan. Vicky Phelan has so much going on in her life. This is what I always say of, what I'll always say about Vicky Phelan, is, Vicky Phelan, despite everything going on in her life, could make you feel like you're the only person that she talked to for the entire day. She would always speak to interviewers and say their name. So she'd address you as Darren. She'd be like, Darren, 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 Darren. Mm. Always send your name back to you. She'd know who your family members were and all that sort of stuff. So like I mentioned my mom, my brother, they were very much in, um, what to say, sort of cocooning during COVID, both very sort of medically vulnerable. And she'd always ask, almost every day without fail, how's your brother getting on? How's your mom getting on? And like...
0: Just mind-blowingly so selfish. For what
1: she's going through and what she went through. <sighs> Yeah, it's just incredible she was unbelievable and we had um, we were chatting to Stephen Teep who was one of the campaigners who knew Vicky really well and I was just like we were just having such a hard time getting through that interview because it was just like this is it's very th- like we talked about politicians there you interview and you do it as well in your job you interview people all the time there's very few times you'll get to somebody that you interview regularly and you're like this person's become a friend yeah especially when you're meant to be holding people to account and you're doing this and you're trying to get to the bottom of this that and the other Vicky Feeling was an unbelievable person and um, I just think we'll have nobody we'll never have anybody in this country who's like Vicky Feeling she took it all upon herself to do that she had no she had no obligation to do what she did to expose what she did and so many people should be thankful that she did what she did and obviously today is Thursday the funeral I think is today I think yeah it's just been such a it's been a hard week in many ways just to sort of process everything because as well like you want to get through to people as well that she was a rounded person she wasn't just this Totally. you know people see the portrait of her and like yeah. people have seen the documentary or read her book which is amazing as well but she was just the funniest person just so hilarious she would make you laugh out loud and it was just any time you had time with her you would spend it and your belly would be sore after it because she would have made you laugh a million times
0: meeting people like her through your job must feel like a privilege
1: <sighs> yeah absolutely absolutely Because there is so much stuff That you do cover And politics and whatnot, And it's just like This is depressing Yeah Or boring You can get really cynical As well about things And then you just come across This person Who just came out of nowhere And just You know Changed the country And changed so many people's lives It's just incredible Like you got such an uplift Every time you were Anywhere near Vicky Phelan As a person to be around So I just think that's An appropriate way Of sort of looking back On her I think She was just remarkable Yeah
0: And she'll never be forgotten Yeah that was lovely Richard and thank you so much for sharing it. Thanks. Well speaking of special people
1: shall we move along to the person you always laugh with? Oh go on. Go on Richard. Do it. Go on. Okay Louise O'Neill there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Louise is very well, funny. Hey, she, writes, points. She, she writes very serious and sort of you know important books but she's again just great crack. Hilarious person. Uh Complete, completely moronic in sense of humour I would say like you know <laughs> which is the best kind of humour to be uh, so Louise absolutely our dog is actually a, like you, can you count a dog as a funny person yes
0: oh my god dogs personalities like they, they can be hilarious yeah
1: like we have an incredibly dim dog uh, <laughs> absolutely adorable in every way but he is just like his expression of just pure I don't know what's happening. It's just very funny. <laughs> he's untrainable as well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah untrainable. I, I, we are, well, we are trying, trying, trying to train and all that sort of stuff, but he's just, yeah.
0: How did you meet Louise?
1: Um, I
0: think I saw the story before. Did you do a DM slide, Richard?
1: It was, yeah, yeah. kind okay. like, of was. It's how things, all the
0: best romances start.
1: It is, it's the 21st century, isn't it? <laughs> so like, I think she was up doing an interview with um, Pat Kenny or something. And I was like, oh yeah, if you're up or whatever, because we sort of followed each other on social media and stuff like that um and i was just like oh yeah if you're up we should go for a drink or coffee at some point
0: and did you go for a drink we did or coffee? yeah yeah, yeah. Was was, it, a drink oh, a it was a drink sorry yeah, yes yes okay. of course it was great
1: yeah and that's how it started but like yeah I'm, I'm we're i'm kind of blessed my life there's so many people who are just absolutely hilarious as yeah. well zara king and Ethan moore were both on your podcast yes have an outrageous laughter with both two of legends people. yeah yeah.
0: you need those people in that industry as well Completely. to feel sane
1: totally because there's so many like Again, there's so much misery and just tough stuff and all that sort of stuff. Just having mad people who are slightly, slightly cracked is just a very handy thing to have around. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, Richard, a time where you had the last laugh. Will you share, please?
1: Yeah. So like, again, just so many stories in, in, in work where like, like people will always talk you down and people will tell you, well, you can't do this or you you, you shouldn't, you know, try to do this. And cynicism can really break you down and all that sort of stuff. Of course. Um, you have to keep on being able to push through that. I remember one story and it was just like I've, I've told it and it's one of those things where the, the, it's a thing that happens and you're like you shouldn't tell this story but I'm like I'm 100% telling that story. This is colourful and this is what people do. And I, told it, I told it like a, a few days after it happened I remember somebody was annoyed at me for telling it because it was one of the things it was, a, it was I think it was one of the elections and I was doing I was worth news talk at the time and I was based in the RDS right. and like if there, any politician would come in you'd bring them up to the live point and whoever was the presenter in, in, in Marconi House in the studio there would be able to have an interview with them even though they're remote right so I was like a, a bit of a runner doing interviews as well there and Martin McGuinness came in so Martin McGuinness absolutely magnetic figure very controversial all that sort of stuff whatever you want to think about him but I um, it was my job so whenever anybody of interest came in I'd ring the desk and I'd be like okay Miho Martin's here Martin McGuinness is here do you want to take them live and I rang in and said Martin McGuinness is here do you want to take him live and yeah. they're like absolutely Martin McGuinness get, get him get him get him get him up to that stage immediately so I was, ran up to Martin McGuinness brought him over put the headset on him and all that sort of stuff right he's yeah. ready to go we can get him on live with don't know who was on air tonight it might have been pat kenny or somebody else like that um so i was just sat and we're standing around chatting to martin McGuinness for a while there just while we're waiting for this chatting about football he loves sport he loves cricket and gaelic football so we're chatting about dairy footballers and cricket i think as well at the time just shooting the shit yeah waiting for things to go on <laughs> and i kept on just sort of nudging the the desk saying yeah martin's here waiting and I get a buzz in my ear saying, Is that so? You have Mee Hall Martin. Is Mee Hall Martin ready to go? I was like, It's not Mee Hall Martin. It's Martin McGuinness. <laughs> Martin McGuinness is ready to go here. And they didn't realize that Martin had his headset on.
0: Oh, stop. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God.
1: So, so awkward. This is
0: so election days are
1: really tense. Awkward. So, like, this person at the other end of the line was like, Fuck Martin McGuinness. We wanted Mee Hall Martin. And I was like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> And again, it goes back to that childhood feeling of like, oh my God, this is mortifying. And were you just looking at him in the face? I just, I just, huh? I, just I, I try not to make eye contact with him for a bit because he was standing and he had his arms folded. I can, I can picture this so vividly. And he's standing there with his look, headphones on. Fuck look, Mark. Look, Mark look at Mark. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't, like, what are you doing? And oh. I just looked at him and I just saw, he had, he was absolutely motionless. Bar at one point, he sort of raised an eyebrow and his, his mouth sort of moved. And then the person at the other end of the line said, we, d- we don't have time for Martin McGuinness. Make something <laughs> up. Make something up and just do an interview. Just pre-record something and we'll do it. We'll put it out. And I was like... You
0: are joking.
1: I just had... To, I was just like, ah, oh, there's technical difficulties there, Martin. No, you're kidding- <laughs> <laughs> Just because it, like, it, was, it was funny. He, he, then he laughed. He's like, all right, Grant, He gets it. Like, people get he it. Gets, this is what get. happened. They,
0: they, you can't be too sensitive. Okay, Richard. If laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be?
1: I was thinking about this. Um, I think it's a sing song. Oh, that's I a think sing one. songs are absolutely just the best coming together that you can have in happy times, sad times, whatever. I actually remember the one that affected me the most was um, it was actually after the Manchester bombing. Oh stop! And yeah. I was over covering that, and there was like a moment silence and all that sort of stuff in Manchester, and just like thousands of people, okay, there was a sea of people, and it was just dead silent. And then one lad piped up with them, um, "Don't look back in anger," oh, Just started singing it, and I was like, oh my god. Everybody started singing it, and it was just weeping. Everyone was weeping, and I was just like, "That is exactly why it is the best medicine." Yeah. That, that song just brings people together in just the most incredible ways.
0: What's your song?
1: Oh man, do you know what it is? And I was like, how, "Like again, why do I open myself up to such embarrassment?" It's only a woman's heart by Eleanor McAvoy and Mary Black. Will he give us a bar? I'm not doing that. Come on, not right unless yours. you join in as well, yeah. you have to. It's a sing along, like you know. <laughs>
0: go on I'll sing with you
1: my heart is low my heart is so low everybody as only a woman's heart can be
0: as
1: only a woman. Woo! that's beautiful
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was stunning Richard
1: yeah and I was actually I was actually meant to go there was a time <laughs> there, there were, they did a woman's heart 25th anniversary or something like that I was meant to bring my mom just didn't happen so I think I think there was a big pandemic moment where they, I think they put it on RTE and it had like Wallace oh, Bird was in it. Yes. And Eleanor was there and, and all that sort of stuff. And we watched it, myself, Zara, and our other housemate Dave, with just like a, a table full of cans and pizza and gelat. And it was like, this is depressing as hell, but fuck it, we gave it loads, you know? And I was like, I don't know what you do at that point. We're all just sitting there and we're like, all right, that's the end of that now. Wipe away the tears. And like, we all went off to bed in our pajamas, like, you know, yeah. Uh,
0: okay. Richard, are you ready for your quickfire round?
1: Hit me with it. Let's go.
0: Okay. The actor that always makes you laugh.
1: Larry David. Larry David all the way. Excellent. Absolutely hilarious. Kirby enthusiasm. Just sensational.
0: Okay, Richard, the actress that always makes you laugh.
1: Julia Louis Dreyfus or Issa Rae. I don't know who that is. Issa Rae was um that HBO show, Insecure. Really good. You can get it on like Sky Plus or Now TV or something. Okay. Really good. Good watch. Yeah. Great. Really, really funny.
0: The movie that always makes you laugh out loud.
1: Um, Step Brothers excellent absolutely like I—I I, I took me a long time to come around to Brothers like because I, Did. I didn't I didn't like didn't naturally love a lot of the Will Ferrell films the Adam McKay ones I just think a lot of them were repeated but Step Brothers is just so, so funny But
0: there's a lot of brilliant actors in it
1: yeah oh it is you've Adam Scott there Catherine Hahn is in there as the super Randy you I know, love one. that
0: she's like I just want to put you into a little ball and stuff you my. oh my
1: god <laughs> <laughs> to Will Ferrell. She's so it's, good it's, it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer <laughs> <isn't it? laughs>
0: She's got eyes On the bluest Oh my god When they do the sing song In the car So good oh, stop, It's a great film Okay The comedian that always Makes you laugh out
1: Um, A couple of them Peter McGahn For online stuff You know Peter McGann He does um, He's very good on Instagram Okay David O'Doherty Oh sorry
0: Peter Yes. Listen, yeah. Exactly. He's yeah. I, was like, How I was
1: like, oh, no, this is awkward. No,
0: he's. I love him. He's so him. good. And when he's like, so this is him. Yeah.
1: Dead. Filter dad and stuff like that. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: when he does like fake spawn yeah. con.
1: Yes, That's the so faking thing is so good, yeah. and he does this character filter dad, and just like even it's just like really cringe. <laughs> Very unsettling stuff like, I bet there's a few sore heads around here today. I bet there's a few sore heads today. <laughs> the, the, so good.
0: The original one he did about the Christmas party was just unbelievable.
1: Oh, so good.
0: Best ever. Love
1: him. David O'Doherty is great. And um, one to look out for as well is uh, Bilal Zafar. He is a uh, London-based comedian. I think he won Best Newcomer in Edinburgh. Oh, really? He's, I came across him during um, covid And we sort of struck up a friendship online. Absolutely hilarious fella. Really, really good. So check him out as well.
0: Okay, will do. And finally, Richard Chambers, your best or worst joke?
1: There's this joke I found. Like I'm terrible at retelling jokes. I can tell stories and stuff like that, but jokes. There was this one that it it comes up and it's very, it it goes viral every so often. It's this lad, this Irish lad is on this bus. And I think it's like a stag party. He's drinking like a bottle of Heineken. And he tells us, it's a, a Paddy Irishman joke but it's really funny just the way he tells it. You'll find it somewhere. It's just a like Paddy Irishman <laughs> joke. And it's like, you'll find kind of every fucking shit joke that's ever existed will come up for you. But like, he was just he was, the joke is like, there's an English man he's dropping monkeys. He works for the zoo and he's dropping a van full of monkeys uh, to the zoo and he, bre- he breaks down, the, the van breaks down, much like my car broke down all those years ago. Uh, and he pulls inside. Like, oh, Jesus, Whatever! What, how am I going to do this now? The zoo's closed and I can't drop them off. And Paddy pulls along in the car and the Englishman says, here, Paddy, I'll give you 50 pounds to drop all these monkeys to the zoo. He's like, right, no bother yet. Pulls away in the car, drives off there. About 40 minutes later, the Englishman's there waiting for the, the AA to come along and fix the van. He sees Paddy and the, the car full of monkeys pulling around the, the road. Like, and he's like, ah, for fuck's sake, Paddy, I told you to take them to the zoo. And he's like, I did, but I changed. So I took him to the pictures first.
0: <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> I like that. There that's go. a good
1: That's a good bad joke. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, it's terrible, but like I was just like, it's the dedication to it he told it <laughs> a lot better
0: Richard Chambers it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for taking the time and as you said it's your week off so to come into town and do this I really appreciate it it was
1: really fun thank you so much for having me and we
0: kind of have been trying to figure it out for a good while we had yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I absolutely Richard, loved it. thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life Thank you for listening to The Last of Your Life with Richard Chambers. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate and review. It really helps the show if you do. Remember, there are tickets still available for The Last of Your Life live at the Borgash Energy Theatre on Wednesday, the 12th of April, 2023. So if you'd like to get your hands on those for yourself or for someone else as a Christmas present or just as a nice little gesture for someone you know, head over to ticketmaster.ie or borgashenergytheatre.ie. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios and this season of The Last of Your Life is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco.